When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. I used to beat me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I had me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. Y'all used to beat me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I had me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. What up, what up? We are back. The Realest Podcast. Over the official on on pod and on the run. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We Two out here in these now. streets. We yeah. good then? All right, we good now. Out man. here in these streets. You know what I'm saying? Getting to it, man. Recording these podcasts for y'all. Shout out to everybody that's listening. We just wrapped up the month of January. Had a huge content month. Uh, shout out to all of the recent shows that we did as far as, like, you know, interviews, topical stuff. Y'all can find everything on uh, Revolt Podcast Network. Search for uh, the Realest Podcast ever, listen.revolt.tv, and then also on our YouTube channel. Uh, go to YouTube, search TRPE or YouTube.com slash sign at TRPE. If you're watching this video on the tube, make sure you <coughs> like this video, share it, <coughs> and subscribe to the channel. On the tube? The tube is never that funny, yo. It's one of those things. That's on the tube? <laughs> You got 400,000 views on the tube. Uh, that's, that's Kevin in the background, <laughs> Kevin R. Jr. On the tube? Like, that shit is never not funny, dog. That nigga was amazed. He said, y'all did that on the tube? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that ain't even a big number. No, man. But when it's just you and your cousins oh, and them watching, man. you know what I'm saying? Shit get a little rough, a little tough, yeah, man. Yeah, man, straight up. Uh, shout out to Mike Nye. Shout out to Tone Trump. Shout out to uh, Dave Anderson, the business bully, who's actually helping us program Yeah, shout out to Dave, man. We got some WrestleMania content coming through, man, from from, from uh, Dave Anderson. Shout out uh, to that. The show that we did, talking about the Cat Williams situation, uh, Rick Rick Nice from Free Bands, whole bunch of stuff that's out there, man. Check out all of them interviews, and we got a lot more stuff coming for Black History Month, for Women's Month, um, International Women's Month, and then also for... WrestleMania. Yes, 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 yes. Got a lot coming up. You getting good at this, running down everything. You know, I be forgetting. I was getting two days ago and shit now. <laughs> like, 40 is right around the corner. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm a man. Yeah, man. And you, you remember a lot more. You you eat a lot of fruit. Uh, vegetables, not really fruit. I, I Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I've, gotten, I've gotten better with vegetables over the years. Like, I, when I was young, I hated the thought of, like, Brussels sprouts yeah. and all. Now I, I love that. Yeah, shit, I, I go to I go to the supermarket now. Like I'm buying vegetables and all of that stuff first. She I'm got like, me uh, uh, zucchini and all. Like, yeah, I, I did. I hated all that shit back when I was young. Now I, I love it. Like, yeah, the thing with me and fruit is that I'm allergic to majority of it. Uh, I just don't like fruit. Strawberries, pineapples, uh, strawberries, pineapples. Uh, it's like one or two more that I'm like definitely allergic to. Like yeah, y'all are allergic to a lot of shit. Tree nuts, pause. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Fruit just isn't good. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. It's just not good. Like, I hate, like, I love orange flavor yeah. and stuff. I'm allergic to oranges. I hate oranges. <laughs> like, I hate the taste of an orange. I love the, like, apple anything. I yeah. love the flavor, but apples, 
Trash. Yeah. It's trash. Big trash. Yeah, apples definitely a trash fruit. You know what I'm saying? And My I man, see. like, no, if you get the apples and, and dip them in, like, peanut butter or chocolate, I'm like, that directly, <laughs> like... Like when, when you got to dump honey and everything else on them, it's like that shit. Because yeah, once you put the honey pack on there, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Now you healthy <laughs> and ready to go. The honey pack. That's real shit, though. But yeah, no, I, 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 as I get older, I'm trying to like get better with like that, like yeah. balanced yeah. meals, balanced things. And I've read that fruit helps you as far as like memory and oh. stuff like that. I don't know how true that is, but I've seen yeah. that. So, yeah. That's why I asked. That makes sense. But yeah, um... What were we gonna start with? Oh yeah, we did have an eventful. Uh, well, I did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I was home being a good, being a, a good uh, Muslim man. Hey man, I was just outside. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and I forgot what it's like to just be outside. Yeah, like you where, bouncing around. Yeah, and where you're really like, like, are we about to close the bill out and slide? The, and we like, normally as we close the bill out, we going home. Yeah, no, no, no. We got nah, four more places. Nah, nah. <laughs> I went out yesterday. Uh, <laughs> me and Lee went to Harp and Crown. Just you know, we downtown. Like, let's go to Harp and Crown. A little happy hour on the weekend. You know what I'm saying? Get some food and a little drink or something. Yeah. And I, I, Deke was just like, "Oh, you there? Bet I'm about to be right there." I'm like, "All right." So then Deke like, "Shout out Deke. I'm, I'm at Bar Leisure, which is next door." So it's all right. We come out, come in the Giuseppe door. Boom. Link up with Deke. Link up with his man Tim. We eating. They order, making me drink at this point. They like. I'm like, "No, nah, I ain't drinking. I'm chilling." Like, man, you don't get a drink. So we can toast. And I'm just like, "Toast to what? <laughs> toast to Saturday, <laughs> nigga. Going on. Toast like, to Doctor to the ghost of Doctor Umar." Man, listen. So we we start drinking there. Then they like, "Yeah, come on. We going to Biblos." I'm like Biblo. I, I, all right, we. I go, I come back to the hotel because I'm over here. I, I get, I change real quick, and we go to Biblos. Biblos is where things kind of like, because I I came down the street at Biblos and it was four Rolls Royces, and I yeah. was just like, all right, that's too many Rolls Royces to be on one street. Biblos for people that are outside of Philly. Shout out to all of the non-Philly listeners. Biblos represents the intersection of every cultural reference point in the city of Philadelphia in one. Uh, 1,200 square foot location. Right, right, right. All the dope boys, all of the fly fashion girls, all of the ball players, uh, all of the, you know, socialites or whatever the case may be, and the niggas that are looking to kidnap all of those people <laughs> that have something positive going on. And that's like the looming thing. Yeah. Like the cloak, like the, uh, the, 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 uh, it's, it's a word that uh, Rampage Jackson just used yeah. in reference to, like, there is no sky. It's like a, a reservoir or something, like, over the earth. It's yeah. like, that's the looming, like, reservoir yeah. over this whole, uh, what should be a good time. Yeah. Which used to be a good time. Yeah, straight up. And then you, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm texting Deke, because Deke was already in there, and I'm just like, yo, what's going on to John? And he's like, I ain't going to say who or what organization they're they're affiliated with or from, but let's just say they they play for a team that rhymes with the mixers. And um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they was in there, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm like, this is just insane to watch, where you got people with the mixers, mm-hmm. people who ain't with the mixers, right? and they're all coagulating life in this, in this one in this one little room your little box with a bunch of hookah smoke <laughs> yeah. and, and drinks in plastic cups and it led to a conversation that we all had where it's like there's really not like an elevated place to go no it does it doesn't exist when it I, com- and i bought the I, I bought a couple places up to mine and it's like well here's the thing with those you can't smoke hookah can't act ratchet. Yeah. The little hoes ain't in there because they t- admire yeah. it. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like kind of wild how there are elevated there are elevated places, but it's like a completely different avenue. 
Yeah, absolutely. That you're driving down. At that, that the point. the because of COVID, the new nightlife became um, high yeah. end dinner service. Yeah. So that's where you know guys like you know David Grutman ended up taking over the world, and then the Rosenegger group ended up like you know enchanting the whole world because one, their territories were open. So being open for business was a premium, let alone in itself. <clears throat> and then they added all of the nightlife elements into dinner service. Right. The bottle signs encouraging bottle service. Pushing dinner till one in the morning and stuff like that. So where it's like dinner is this like celebratory thing now where it's festive. You come, you, you know, order appetizers, your seafood tower, you get your, your cocktails and all of that. Smoke hookah. Yo, the seafood tower might win an award. Like, the seafood tower <laughs> has like, taken over earth. Like, like if we do a best new artist, <laughs> the seafood tower. It's like, on, it's on every menu. Every dog, everywhere you go, got a seafood yeah. tower. Now, so now get, they got, they got support where they got the mini. Yeah. The, the regular. Oh, it's only two of y'all. And the jumbo <laughs> seafood. No, you can order like different levels of seafood tower now. Cause the place I was looking at the other day, it's like, they got a starter joint for 60. Yeah. They got a dope. That'll get you joint. in the dough. That'll get, they got a dope, the dope dealer joint for 95. <laughs> then they got, a boss bitch we run the city joint for like 155 I was like dog the seafood tower is it yeah, so then you do all of that and then you have your dinner service all of this might take three and a half hours or whatever and the whole time oh, give me another bottle of uh, Vouv Clico Riche have you noticed certain, certain restaurants now is doing uh Time restraints for how many people you got. Mm -hmm. Like if it's two of y'all, y'all get 65 minutes. If it's three of y'all, y'all yeah. get 85, four of yeah, y'all get 90. We got to turn these tables over. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so, you know, with all of that in mind, it's like, you know, you had, the like I said, the Rosenegger group was on Rosenegger, Taboo and all of that. They're about to open up their first location in Miami. You had David Gutman and, um, you know, in Miami. And, you know, with Poppy Steak and Komodo and, you know, all of these different... Talk uh, about here today, going tomorrow. Poppy Steak, boy. Yeah, nobody's talking about Poppy yeah. Steak. You know what I'm saying? But now, they didn't. Dave, David Grutman didn't got into the damn Vegas properties now. So now he got a Komodo and I think it's a Poppy Steak Vegas and something. He opened like three or four restaurants in the new Fountain Blue Hotel. So it's like everybody wanted part of <clears throat> that Miami, that Cancun, that Tulum elevated dinner service, nightlife or whatever, and now you see them starting to, like, you know, institute it. And that's going to be the, the standard going forward. But the conversation we had was basically like, yo, when it comes to Philly, like, we don't really have that. It's kind of like a this or that situation. Mm -hmm. So it pushes people into the spaces that meet the minimum criteria of all. It's like, all right, it's hookah? All right, bet. There's no cover charge? Bet. They have food. Is it good food? Have food, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, and then liquor. All right, cool, bet. So it's like, as long as we meet these minimum requirements, the shit is going to go up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you look at all of the quote-unquote best places in the city, they have the best mix of, like, all of those things. Um, but they aren't necessarily the newest. They mm -hmm. aren't the... You know the the most luxurious or spacious place, or whatever the case may be, in or the safest, site, or safest, and then don't let their written house or their. Uh, Headhouse district address trick you into thinking mm -hmm. that this is something other than what it is, which is a tobacco hut where <laughs> motherfuckers that make sixty million a year and niggas that tie people daughters up yeah. all coagulate under like one thing because they all are programmed to know this is the popping spot. Right, right, yeah. It definitely was. It was weird seeing it all because I'm just like. You know, who is this guy? Like, you know, who is this? Who is that? Like, and then you 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 see it all kind of just unravel and work. And it's just like, you wouldn't even think that y'all would want to be in the same spots. 
You know yeah, what I'm saying? Nigga don't care. You would think. I gotta get my fix. Gotta bang the hookah. I, I gotta bang the hookah. Gotta I, I bang gotta the bang the love 66 yeah, of vanilla. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's my that's my whole everything. Straight up. So that's that. And then I know all the little hoes is gonna be here. So like <laughs> Look, shout out Dan. One <laughs> one of the motherfuckers last night was like Somehow they somebody sparked up smoking mint. He was like, anybody smoke all mint is a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, tell me, I know about it. <laughs> they ain't got to smoke all mint because his taste buds is burnt. <laughs> Can't taste nothing, though. Anybody smoke menace, all menace, a psychopath. I'm like, I know a psychopath. Like, like if uh, if Ronnie from the new uh, season of Power smoked hookah, it would be all mint. Yo, straight up. That's funny. <laughs> they got that shit, members shit. only jacket on, acting like Dexter. Yeah, you an all mint smoker. <laughs> and then, uh, so we, we we left from Biblos, and I, I'm, I'm again, I'm with Deke. And, and Deke is really, I thought he was just the mayor of Dell's Grill. No, Meek is the de- mayor of every... Deke is the mayor of every place he goes. Yeah, he has a residency. I mean, like, every owner, every, uh, they all know him. And, like, I mean, like, red carpet rollout. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When I got the bill, I said, what's the cover, Deke? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never paid cover. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you. You know what I'm saying? When we left from there, we came back down for the W. It was our homie Kayola. It was her birthday. So everybody linked up here afterwards. I'm staying at the W. And that will, you know, everybody knows about my issues with the W. Yeah. So whatever, we booked the room. Boy, like, he hits us like, yeah, you know, have y'all stayed? Whatever, we explained what happened last time. He like, oh, man, listen, none of that no more. We got a whole new management, new ambassador. Everything's changed. We got a new valet staff because we was having so many issues with him. You know, boom, boom, boom. So he like, all right, cool. Come down. We we so, like, shell-shocked. We like, you know, let's just park on the street. Like, I, <laughs> I ain't parking with the valet. Let's just park on the street. Can't be trifling yeah, with this. Yeah, can't be dealing with these <laughs> motherfuckers. But then I, I look, I see the, the valet staff. I'm like, oh, it's all white people. I'm like, yeah. and I hate to be that guy, but I'm just like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? At least my car going to be here. <laughs> so whatever, we come in. Uh, you know, like I, that was when we checked in or whatever. But, you know, later on in the day, whatever, whatever, everybody, we make our way back here. Me, Deke, Lee, we all come back here. We link up with everybody. And... Last night, you know, we don't need to get into that. It got got it got crazy <laughs> last night. Last night, last night was fun. You know what I'm saying? It was fun. Everybody made it home safe. I'll say that. And last night, though, everybody was leaving. It's like two in the morning. You know, the the room, uh, the seven floors piling outside and all that. You know, coming in. You know, the lobby is a damn nightclub itself mm-hmm. downstairs. So everybody's coming out, whatever, whatever. And the street is in turmoil. I mean, it is <laughs> bedlam outside. And the valet, you hear motherfuckers going off. They don't know where the keys is at. And I look, I'm like, oh, the daytime valet is gone. Niggas is back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we back. The niggas man. respawned for the night shift. <laughs> People going crazy. They the one girl, they can't find her keys. She like, the car right here. So it's like the, the her car was literally, she like, the, so it ain't, the car ain't missing. But it's like, where the keys? You see niggas having powwows, side conversations, like, you don't see me. You ain't come on. Nephew. So when you say he's about to fuck the little bitch, yeah. like when you hear the when you heard a valet say to the valet, come on, nephew, work with me here, man. God damn, man, they done banged my liability three times in the last four months, man. I work with a with your uncle. Like, yo, the valet still in shambles out this motherfucker, man. But yeah, last night was fun as hell. Everybody got home. It was. It, it was a time, you know what I'm saying? A time was sad. You came nowhere near the city yesterday. Yeah, no, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, no. No, nah, yeah, but last night was fun as hell. We had a ball. You know, what can you do? Yo, funny thing. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. 
that will only get you the rapper Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. About, uh, you want to hear some funny shit? They they upgraded the room, gave us this nice suite. Okay, here. shout out to the W. I, I asked the guy, I'm like, yeah, can I get a late checkout? And I'm like, he was like, how late you need it? I'm like, how late can you extend it? You know, normal late checkout, two, three, yeah. maybe four. He was like... I mean, what you, like, six? I'm like, at six, nigga, I'm just going to stay here again. Like, what? Like, oh, yo, this, this is some hood shit, man. No, because technically, niggas can't even check in till four. So, like, in that little... Once you pass four, it's like, man, you know, you might as well... <laughs> might as well rock. It's <laughs> a different man. place. But something that I noticed out of everything, based on what you told me last night that was funny, was... uh. The fact that a certain NBA basketball player, mm-hmm. former All-Star, mm-hmm. let's just call him Sen Bimmons, was, um, <laughs> w- was, was in Biblos last night, and he was with players from the Mixers. Yeah. And that lets you know, like, yo, fans are really fanatics because motherfuckers hate this dude. Did you see Ben uh, response <laughs> last night? Because they was booing him or whatever. Yeah. It was like, Ben, how you feel about the fans booing? He's like, seeing grown men that mad is just funny. <laughs> like, y'all niggas losers. So, so Seton Bimmons uh, comes back and he's literally with the people that you let the fans and the media and all of that tell it, the, the niggas that hate his guts when in reality, this is just a job one like the, any one, other one, job. One of the realest things Ry ever said was like, yo, this shit is a job. Just like your job. Motherfuckers at your job, you can't stand. You go in and work with them. He's like, then it's motherfuckers at your job. You might not talk to the chick ever. You've been knocking her down for nine years. It's just, this is this is the way it works on earth. You know what I'm saying? People had this thing where it's like, oh, you leave a team. And some, that's what I was telling them recently. It's just like, yo, I'm not one of them die hard, go crazy, fight people. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if I get in a fight with Eagles fans because I'm a cowboy, I guarantee you Troy Aikman is not coming to my hospital room <laughs> with a teddy bear. It'll be like forty-year-old man gets jumped by Eagles fans. This fucking loser. You imagine fucking Leon Lett pulling up to your hotel room like the best. They're like, listen, the best we could do is Quincy Carter. Like we got, we got Roy Orton. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody come down there talk to you. Like no one's coming to help. Tony Banks gonna come holler at you. No, I learned that shit when I was young. Like that die hard. Fighting in the get street. You nowhere. I remember we all went to watch a Cowboys Eagles game at uh, the game. I got booed walking in with the John. To me, that was funny because yeah. like yo, some funny shit, you know, and fun. But when we was at the John, mind you, I'm with like 20 dudes I work with. Yeah. everybody's Eagles fans from those points, except for uh, me and my man Mike Harmon. We Cowboys fans, and we just we having fun though. We you know existing in the moment. Somebody threw a bottle up towards the front of Buffalo Wild. I don't yeah, know if I told that story. Yeah, you before. did. Yeah. Somebody threw a bottle, and it came to a screeching halt because everybody's just like. Yo, yeah, we're taking it past good old clean fun to like I'm gonna go get my my, my other pistol, you come your, back, yeah, shoot, shoot everybody. everybody's ass. <laughs> like, cause if that happens, I promise you, I promise you. What's the the crazy? My man was like, if you wear his jersey uh, in the street, you crazy. Um, Lito Shepard, like <laughs> Lito Shepard, is not coming to help you out if something go left out here. It's the truth. The funniest shit ever. This has nothing to do with uh. This has nothing to do with, like, what we were talking about. But I remember listening to WIP one day, and somebody called in the radio station and was like, yeah, 
I, I've had enough of uh, 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 Bobby Taylor and G Shepherd. They was like, G Shepherd? Who the fuck is G Shepherd? Lito. He plays like a German Shepherd. He's a fucking dog. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm just thinking G Shepherd. G Shepherd is funny as shit. They be snapping on that show, man. But yeah, all in all, though, last night was fun. It was interesting. You know, like I said, it's rare that I get to where I'm going from place to place. Yeah. Dro hit me. Dro was like, oh, big nigga outside. <laughs> I was like, yeah, nigga. He's like, he's like, what do you say? Next time I come out, who called me? Then my man T hit me. was like, oh, I didn't know you was moving around like this tonight. I would have left my wife and came to holler. that here rubbing her toes and yeah, shit. Silly as shit. But no, we had a good ass time though, man, last night. Shout out to everybody who was there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, was, it was it was a ball. Um before I left out and came down over the last two days, something I got into that I thought was like absolutely phenomenal. You know how you got down bad with Chad? Yeah. This is this is not this is up great with Matt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Netflix has released a documentary called The Greatest Night in Pop. I watched it. Did you I watch it? Yes, I watched it. Right. I, dropped, I, watched. I watched it twice, back to back. Anybody that knows me knows We Are the World is like one of my favorite songs ever. I love I've loved that song since the 80s. And seeing it, it's like I you know everything now, you see everything in real time. Like yes. you see behind the scenes before you see the actual scene. Yeah, you see the studio vlog, you see uh him shooting the music. You video. see somebody's Instagram story and and just there are so many stories in We Are the World that we just never really knew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Starting at the top, Waylon Jennings is listed on the song, but he's not in none of the actual videos or in the video for the fucking song. Yeah. And you just like, why wasn't Waylon Jennings? Why is he listed? But then you see this country nigga was like, I'm not singing this Swahili shit. Deuces, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> I'm out of here. Stevie said, yeah, maybe we should uh, do a few lines in Swahili. Michael's looking at him like, are you deaf too, motherfucker? <laughs> what are you talking about? They said, well, here's the problem, uh, Stevie. I don't know if anyone's told Yo. you. They don't speak Swahili in Rwanda. Like, so that there's that. Like, I don't know. How we, how we supposed to get over that part, Jack? Like, Yo, they started arguing over the shit. Huey Lewis was like, Ray Charles said, ring the bell, Quincy, ring the bell. <laughs> he said, Ray Charles, like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I'm saying this to myself, I'm like, I know it's fucked up, but I'm like, yeah, Ray, like, I'm going to the bathroom. Who got a spoon? <laughs> and then I'm the funniest part about the him saying I had to go to the bathroom. Stevie Wonder took you to the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, he said, I'll, give me a hand, I'll take you, follow me. Evidence is mounting against your ass, Stevie. You know what I'm saying? In the in in one of the one of the parts of the documentary, somebody calls like, "Yo, Steve A," and he turned around and looked dead at him. I was like, "Stevie can see, dog." Because if 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 you couldn't see and somebody called you, you would turn around like Steve A, like 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 that. Right. Stevie's like Steve A. What up, nigga? He turned and looked dead. <laughs> like, what up, Nick? Straight up. Yeah, Stevie. Stevie can see, man. But it's so many storylines that went on in. The, the making of it, just from the jump, we all knew Quincy Jones yeah. was, was the person, but then you understand Geldof is the one who put it all together. You know what I'm saying? And shout out to him, and shout out to the arranger. I think his name was, um because when I really thought about it, I'm like, damn, he might be the great, greatest uh, arranger in the history of fucking music, because it's like the greatest arranged song like ever. Ken Cragen. Like, he enlisted the whole thing and then uh -huh. gelled off together, and they literally did the arrangement for all the vocal parts. Um, I always said James Brown and Prince should have been on that song. Yeah, especially Prince. I would have, pers me personally, I would have liked to see Luther Vandross on there. 
Luther to me was already established enough. He already had another too much. He already yeah. had Bad Boy having a party. He wasn't Luther just yet. And yeah. Whitney was like, it was like a year before Whitney really hit. Right. But I always would have liked to see their voices in the song. Yeah. But James Brown and Prince, and it always blew me. Like, how the fuck are James Brown and Prince not on this song? And then you really get an understanding of it in this documentary. Like, oh, y'all really hated it. James guy. Brown just got high and went to the run. Like, James Brown, I'm at the, I'm at the club right now. Where what Moody said, he said, James Brown was the king of being black. He's like, he said anything and we loved it. James Brown got on the mic, popcorn, chicken, hot sauce. You're like, yes, James. <laughs> yes, James. <laughs> he said, I heard a, he said, I heard a song from James Brown once. He said, I don't want nobody giving nothing. You open up the door, a nigga go get it himself. He said, yes, James. <laughs> yes, James. <laughs> he said, what the fuck kind of lyric is that? But yes, James. But James Brown just didn't show the fuck up because for, for whatever reason he was on. Prince, and y'all y'all know I love Prince. Prince was on some ho-ass shit. Prince dog. was on his, who all gonna be there? Listen, <laughs> listen. That nigga over there. They in, but, oh, <laughs> I'm hearing hard. rumors. They invited <laughs> Sheila E. Sheila E was there. And Sheila E, they like, yo, we got Prince on the solo, like, What's going on? And she, they like, Sheila, can you call Prince? Well, they like, they show Prince on the phone. I'm like, I know Prince like, that bitch ass nigga there. This bitch ass brother's there too? Nah, I ain't He got them with. diamond socks on. <laughs> Fuck that nigga. I ain't fucking with that. <laughs> and Sheila E is telling them like, I knew Prince wasn't coming because it was just too many people there. And I'm like, too many people is like, them bitch ass niggas still there? Like, Prince was not <laughs> fucking with At it. All. So Quincy is like, yo, the way they designed it, and again, this is why Ken Krogan and, and Geldorf get all the credit in the world. He said that they laid all the names out in a fan and basically was like, his voice is going to sound great coming behind her. She's mm. going to sound good coming behind him, 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 him. And these are the biggest artists in Music at the time. Yeah. Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Loa, Kenny Loggins, Mike Jackson, Bob T Dylan, Tina Turner, Notes. Bob Dylan, Hall of Notes, Huey Lewis. I mean, you name them. They when you look at not even the soloists, just the people who were doing uh, the chorus, like the mm -hmm. hook, Bette Midler, Smokey Robinson, uh, the Pointer Sisters, the Jackson 5, minus Jermaine, because Jermaine won't fuck with them niggas, but all the Jacksons, minus Jermaine, LaToya, um, uh, Dan Aykroyd was in the crowd out yeah. of all people. Like it was, it was, they were loaded out that joint. And so the way it all went down was they basically were like, Prince was going to come after Mike to show, you know, even though they, they got this whole little thing going on it, this is bigger than that. And Lionel Richie was like, yo, don't let them fool you. The rivalry was real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Prince, they, again, Prince is on some old shit. They said, Prince, you got to come and, and do this. Prince said, all right, I want to play the guitar. Yeah, I'll do a guitar I'll solo. I'll do a guitar solo. And they're like, bro, this ain't that. Like, this ain't no instruments. Like, Stevie's <laughs> not playing the keyboard. Bob Dylan's not playing a harmonica. Nobody's playing anything. Right. Ray Charles isn't even playing the, the, the piano. We're all in the same room singing. Prince said, well, I'll come play guitar in a separate room. Quincy, like, what the fuck, <laughs> Prince? This is for Africa. This is a this big is for deal. relief. Prince said, "Well, it sound like y'all need to make whatever y'all need to make it happen. Y'all need to move some mountains. Get me a room down there to play guitar." Quincy, like, you know what? Fuck it. Prince ain't on the fucking song. And it's so funny to me looking at 
that video that always goes viral of Mike Jackson looking at Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, and Kim Carnes like they don't know what the fuck they yeah. doing. It's because Huey Lewis wasn't supposed to have a solo. Right. They literally was like, who's going to sing Prince's part? They gave it to Huey. You can literally see Mike Jackson tell Huey, this is the line, sing it like this. And Huey's trying to figure it out. And for what it's worth, me personally, that video always goes viral of Mike like looking at like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Yeah. But in reality, when Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, and Kim Carnes, when they got it right, their bridge is low-key the best part of that fucking right. song. Because Mike sings, and then Huey comes in right after him, and then Cindy Lauper and Kim Carnes. And it's so crazy looking like 30 years removed at why that happened. Yeah. And it happened because Prince just didn't want to show up. They had to up. put a fire out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prince just didn't want to show up and do his part. And you see how Bob Dylan was affected being around all them singers and how he figured his shit out. And I'm going to just go ahead and say it. My dad, he's one of the biggest Bruce Springsteen fans. Bruce Springsteen fans on the planet. Boss. And, and I say it all the time. When Rick Ross first came out and he was calling himself the boss, my dad was like, who is this clown calling himself the boss? That ain't the boss. Cause <laughs> it's Bruce Springsteen. You see just how good Bruce Springsteen really, yeah. really was in that shit. Where he did that ad lib shit with Stevie Wonder on the fly. No practice, no, you know, I'm knocking that shit off right now. Come on. <laughs> Just screaming. <laughs> Bruce was getting. Bruce was phenomenal, dog. But you talking about the biggest and the best. And literally, we, we like for a second just like went and looked at Quincy Jones worth 500 million. Bruce Springsteen worth 650 million. Mike Jack. Six billion. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Fucking Tina Turner was worth 150. Uh, Stevie Wonder's worth 300. Like every Smokey Robinson's worth three. Everybody in that room yeah. is like hundreds of millions of dollars. Legends, diamond albums worldwide. Tina Turner had the record for most people at a paid concert. 183,000 at a concert. Earth came to see <laughs> you perform. <laughs> Like, and everybody put their shit to the side for the night and came and did that song. And I always say, like, to me, the song is just phenomenal. You know, the best voices, the best personalities, just the best of the best. And the fact that they, you know, this is before DJ Khaled. This is before, uh, uh, what's the shit they all use? Um, Auto-tune. Not auto-tune. Um, the new shit they record on. Oh, uh, uh, but like Pro Tools and Pro Logic. Yeah, they recorded all this on real. They did this shit on real together. And yeah. Lionel Richie is like... If it wasn't for the American Music Awards, who knows? Because you, how else do you get 50 of the biggest right. people on the planet in one fucking building? The craziest part about that shit is Lionel Richie hosted the American Music Awards that night and won six awards. Right. I'm, how the fuck you host and won six and, awards? And that was a dope, that was like a, um, like a looming part of, uh, you know, of the documentary was how lit and how pronounced mm -hmm. of a career Lionel Richie had. And the fact that it's like looking back, I don't necessarily we know I don't necessarily know that we view Lionel Richie in the same light as Stevie Wonder, Prince, Smokey Robinson, all of these guys. But when you look at this, you're like, oh no, Lionel Richie was the main that nigga. nigga like Mike was just breaking. Mm -hmm. Well Mike had broke the year before. Yeah, 83 yeah. was thriller shit. But that, it's so interesting to see 
Lionel Richie and Mike wrote We Are The World. Yeah. And he was like, we were supposed to be writing it with Stevie, but he was like, Stevie just wasn't answering the phone. So he's like, we finally figured it out and got the words down for what it was going to be. Stevie walks in the studio, was like, oh, man, let's let's get to it. And they're like, nigga, we done. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, shit, all right. Well, I'm fucked up, man. Yeah, I'm fucked up. <laughs> Orgy ran a little too long, players, my bad. And it's so interesting because Mike knew he wasn't nominated for nothing at the AMAs because Thriller was the year before. Yeah. 84, 85 was Purple Rain. So he like, what well, I, you know, I don't fuck with that bitch ass nigga. So he getting awards. <laughs> I ain't fucking with that. I'm going to just hang back. I'm going to just hang back and go to the studio. <laughs> Tighten this up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Mike went to the studio and Mike did the, the, literally, the, and they got all the cameramen, all of the fucking video, visual, the audio dudes. And he's like, we're setting up and putting up lights and shit. And Mike just goes in the studio and just, we are, and he lays it the fuck down, and they just like, Mike, Mike apologized. He's like, I'm sorry, I was just messing. They like, no, nah, nigga, <laughs> that's it. And that what he did is the actual chorus yeah. that everybody sings on top of and shit. But it it just it's a phenomenal documentary. Yeah. It's 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 all of that. That shit was great. And it kind of extrapolates how um important that time of music was. That was the that, thing for that me. That late seventies into the early eighties, mid eighties, and all of that. And, you know, you have the emergence of all of these superstars. And this is when music really became pop culture. Mm -hmm. Because before, you know, you had certain acts here and there. Frankie Valli, Frank Sinatra, The Beatles, stuff like that. Roy Osborne. Roy Osborne, Sammy Davis Jr., stuff like that. But then it's like, yo, you literally have 50 superstar artists all in one room for this greater cause of, uh, you know, famine relief in, uh, in, you know, in Africa and you get this magnificent work of art out mm-hmm. of it. And then the note, like, yo, we had, oh, no, we had the reels and all of that the whole time, the video and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And you're like, wait, what? There's there's footage of this shit? And just like you said, it's funny you say that, but it brought so many genres of music yes. together under one cloak to where it's like you had country in Kenny Rogers. You had rock and roll, like American classic rock. That bluegrass soul. You had bluegrass with Willie Nelson. You had shit. You had... Hard rock with Steve Perry, you know, from Journey and all. Then you got R&B, R&B soul. You got R&B funk. You got, it, every little aspect of music was represented in that for its time. The only thing, of course, wasn't rap because rap wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't an industry or for shit. Right, you know, but just see all of those different people come together under that one thing and then knowing that the song broke records. They printed up a million copies. They sold so fast they had to print up another million that week. The song went on to sell 20 million records like within the next couple years. Right now it's at like 80 million souls. Like they said it's the eighth highest selling single of all time. That's crazy. Yeah, and to think that like Mike and Lionel wrote that and they knocked that shit out in a day is like, damn. Yeah, these are two of the greatest and most important, you know, artists, songwriters, vocal producers ever. Yeah, and they and everybody showed up after the awards. They like we didn't start working on that song until ten thirty that night, yeah. and literally they were done that shit by eight in the morning. He was like, everybody hanging out at the AMA is like, no, 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 get your asses over to the. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you yeah, no, we got nineteen limos. No. Pick and, one. And seeing them all, the, the cameraman was like, we out front because they like, yo, people going to start pulling up. Y'all need to get footage of it. And he's like, we kind of were still like, who's going to show up? Then out of nowhere, it's just Limo, Bette Midler, Limo, Diana Ross, Limo, uh, Tina Turner. He was like, Kenny Rogers pulled up. Then then Hall & Oates pulled up. Then Paul Simon pulled up. Then He's like, I look across the street. It was a beat-up Pontiac uh, 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 GTO. He's like, that's Bruce Springsteen. I was like, <laughs> the Bruce, boss. Bruce drove from k <laughs> <laughs> 
We are the world, huh? Hell, <laughs> yeah, we are about to smoke this motherfucker. <laughs> Bruce pulled up an old beat of Pontiac out there. It's a good, and it, it make you feel good because it take you back to like, yeah. damn, like this is real like music. And I ain't gonna hold you. Like, shout out Dez, uh, Dez. We was talking. He was like, dog, I got choked up. And I'm like, yo, at the end when Lionel was like, Talking about how the house is a home, but it's not yet like, and he's like, dog, Mike was standing right over here. You know what I'm saying? He was like, Ray Charles was right over mm-hmm. here. He's like, Tina Turner was right over here. Like, and he, they, there was one scene I told Lee, I'm like, they was like in between takes. They was chilling on the couch. It was Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, Tina Turner, Mike Jackson, and Billy Joel. And they like talking shit. I'm just like. Do you know what the fuck it probably felt like <laughs> yeah. chilling on that couch? Like Mike Jackson, Tina Turner, Billy Joel, Lionel Richie, Diana Ross. Just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, we just in between takes and shit. You know, like that's crazy. And I was trying to put it to somebody, uh, one of my homegirls, she a little younger. I'm like, you can't even quantify that in today's numbers. Yeah. It'd be the equivalent of like Beyonce, Taylor Swift. and a, Adele. And, 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 and another 10 Beyonce's. Taylor Swift's and Adele's all in the same building. Yeah. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, literally, the, the what's her name? Uh, Sheila E. Because Sheila E was there. Sheila E was like, I'm, I'm talking to Bruce Springsteen, and then I see uh, 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 Bob Dylan. And she's like, I was so afraid that it's like, she, I just said hi and kept walking. She's like, I don't know what to say. Right. She's like, I took another step and turned, and Ray Charles was coming in. And it's just like, that's the Statue of Liberty. Right. So think about that. You got the biggest rock guy in Bruce Springsteen, the most iconic folk music musician from the, like, the, think about Bob Dylan was making social commentary music before it was ever a thing. Yeah. And then you got Ray Charles, who, like, has the song of Georgia. Right. Yeah, like, you know, so she's like, this is almost, she's like, it got to the point where, like, you could feel the, the tension in the room because it's like, it's almost too much. Yeah. It's like too much to do. Yeah, because with. everybody's a star in their own right. So now it's like uh, these stars are trying to navigate around their star, mm-hmm. their ego, preconceived notions, not wanting to impede on nobody or whatever like that. And Quincy Jones did something that kind of disarmed everybody. Put a sign up. Check your ego at the door. Quincy Jones did some Phil Jackson shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Check your ego at the door. Like this is about this greater good, this masterpiece that Lionel and Michael and myself um, and the composers created. Let's... Be about the work. Yeah. Let's do the work. And then to think, like, you know, this is an era where there are no DSLR cameras. It ain't no little small hell hell camera. They shoot that shit with yeah. the camera from big, Anchorman. Big ass, big ass field shoulder drone. Yeah, drum. man. Yeah, no. Nah, the documentary is phenomenal, though. It was excellent. So yeah, that shit was super that. dope. Shout out. Man, and uh, so, yeah, so that that's a phenomenal documentary, man. Extremely well done. Kudos to Netflix. No big rollout, none of that. Just dope. Um, amazing content. They just do it on the platform, and um, you know, people are watching it, man. It's really making a huge impact. Yeah, I, I think for me, at the, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's just being at this age now. There are so many things that we kind of like forget about because now we're overloaded with all this beef. And think about think about if Michael Jackson and Prince was beefing right now. Oh, the man. shit show that that would be on social media, on on the View, on all these different shows. Motherfucking, can you imagine Michael Jackson drilling B uh, album dissing Prince for twelve songs? <laughs> 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 and the reality is, when when these issues and these things used to happen back in the day, you really didn't know. Yeah, think about Mike and Prince beef is kind of like speculated. Yeah. Because no one ever really was. It's like, a, if you know, you know. Right, but you never seen Mike do like. 
Rap City the basement, and they like, yo, you like Prince? Well, I'm like, I don't bang that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it just, it never happened. I ain't with none of that purple shit. Yeah, I, ain't with <laughs> <laughs> I wear red leather, bitch. <laughs> oh yeah, it just didn't happen. But yeah, shout out to that. If y'all get a chance, go check that. That's a good ass documentary. Man. Oh yeah. Next topic I want to get into, man. Uh, Fonny Willis, man. Uh, it turns out she really did smash the homie, and uh, she on Friday put in a hundred and seventy six page. Uh, brief stating the clarifying six seems extensive. It seems extensive, but she seems strikes me as the type to kill an ant with a sledgehammer. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, she follows 176 page brief describing the nature history, uh, nature and history of her relationship with special prosecutor, Nathan Ward, and also why it, she doesn't deem it unethical, inappropriate, um, or having anything to do with the general nature of their jobs mm -hmm. as it relates to them working together. So when you dig into this story and then you realize like how all of this came about, you find out that he's going through a divorce. Okay. And it, through the divorce filings, I'm guessing the wife is probably citing uh, infidelity, irreconcilable differences, uh, marital deception, like all of this different stuff. And in that, she put financial disclosures in the divorce filing okay. in order to substantiate her points, in order to try to make this thing move faster. So two of the things that they noticed was, one, the presence of multiple tr uh, incidents of travel with Nathan Ward and Fawny Willis together. They took a trip to Miami. They took a trip to San Francisco. In addition to that, the rate at which he was paid has come under scrutiny because he's been paid close to $700,000 over the span of two years, which people that are in and around um, in and around the legal community are saying is far in excess of what a special prosecutor gets paid in a case like this. And Kev even mentioned there's instances of him billing for 24 hours straight. So it's like, so let me get this straight. You didn't go to sleep. Hey, you didn't take hey, lunch. Hey, you didn't eat a Reuben. You ain't do no push. You didn't go to the gym. Like, you didn't do nothing. The whole time, you just worked on this case. I mean, that's, what, that's what true hustlers do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? LLC Twitter yeah, said, yeah, when you wake I, up in the morning. Up, nigga, you got... You don't sleep, I ain't got to wake up because I didn't sleep. That's the difference yeah, man. between me and all of them. So here's, um, you know, the, the facts <laughs> of the matter, the matter as it's been explained so far. So they have been involved since 2022 after he was hired as a contract attorney in November of 21 um, to work on the uh, Trump uh, voter fraud case and everything like that, even though he had no prior experience on this particular line of law. Mm -hmm. So that's the first red flag. Um Info was discovered during his divorce files where his wife uh, alleged everything like that. Uh, Fawny says that she hasn't had any experiences that have compromised her judgment, ethics, or boundaries of the case. And Nathan Wade was not furnished with a direct financial benefit as a result of their trips to Miami or San Francisco. She and he have stated that they both basically paid their own way. Um, so basically he was saying like, oh, well, even though I paid for both of us on my card, he paid me back or okay. whatever. So based on the fact that he paid me back, it's not an improper benefit to him or whatever the case I'm just may trying be. To my yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you know, yeah. we just flip flopping on the, on the platinum points yeah. or whatever the case may be. And then, um, there's the whole thing of like, was she even within her right to hire a special prosecutor to begin with, let alone one with this level of non-experience at this particular rate. And people are basically like trying to find the smoking, smoking gun or whatever the case may be. So whoever, whoever and however Trump and his legal team found this out, whatever clandestine informants or whatever the hell they had, or the fact that they were just super duper sloppy. And then you have 
his divorce as a result of this quote unquote affair, but then you're trying to claim that you're not unethical. Mm-hmm. So anybody in the legal community, I'm not going to say who, but a bunch of people we know in the legal community, like she should be this, she should be up for review at the very least and potentially disbarred because how does this even happen? Because it looks like you had a crush on this nigga, you interviewed him, you hired him, you fucked him, you broke up his marriage, and then you didn't disclose it to anybody that works with you, for you, or any of these higher legal forces that are at play here when you're indicting and trying to go through with the prosecution of a former United States president. (sighs) Yeah. Phony got a lot going on down there. A ton. You know, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't want to necessarily use the term bit off more than she could chew, but that might be where we at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wife and Lucci, you know, okay. It's one thing to go after young, rappers and drug dealers and, thugger, and, and niggas you know, that break into houses. Former presidents is a hard uphill. And then there's the other looming argument of, like, is there a such thing as, like, presidential immunity? Because it's like, yo, how long is this case going to drag on? What if he gets reelected? Do, do the cases just automatically dismiss themselves because he's a sitting president? And then now you have a different legal process for that, and you got to file yo. articles of impeachment and all of this stuff. So speaking it's, of it's which, a big, big speaking conundrum. Speaking I told you I'm watching that documentary. Um, uh, uh, They got one from the 70s on Nixon. Yes. Nixon was a motherfucker. Nixon nigga. was a wild motherfucker dog. That Watergate shit, that nigga straight told the uh attorney general to fire the prosecutor who was going after him and shit. He was like, nah, I can't. That don't make no sense. He was like, You gonna fire him or you gonna quit? It was like all right, I quit. So he quit. The next in line became the attorney general. He was like, fire that motherfucker or else. He was like, yeah, I quit too. That nigga got hired and quit the same day. Finally, he got an attorney general in there. It was like his man's. He yeah. was like, yeah, get rid of him. He fired him. Like, that should have been called you, cuz. Damn. Oh, yeah, Dixon was a motherfucker. Fuck around with these fuck niggas. Dog, man. But yeah, so some another interesting wrinkle in all of this that I found, that I saw, is that she's up for re-election this year. Okay. For uh for you know for district attorney or whatever and I'm just like, yo, I wonder how that's going to play uh you know considering the manner in which she's like structuring these sentences and stuff, you giving, you know, people 2 years in jail, 18 years of probation and and you know all of this different stuff, you take the process of making this whole big grandstand about YFN Lucci and his role in a murder and all of this stuff just to turn around and say you go home in 115 days, like, but you on probation for forever. Hi, everyone. Jazzy Bell here from Woman in Hip Hop Podcast. And if you're a fan of music, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Woman in Hip Hop Podcast, a show that focuses on the many talents and influences from women within the culture. And is brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network. Anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. But if he does good on probation for five or six years, he can get the balance of his probation discharge. So it's like, yo, are you tough on crime or are you trying to, you know, grandstand and make it seem and, and make these like sexy arrests or whatever the case may be, um, you know, under Rico, which is very, very tough to beat because it's all encompassing or whatever. And a lot of people feel like it's unconstitutional. So it's like, yo, are you just using the Rico to like, you know, basically try to be like a female Giuliani right. and put your name on the map? Or are you actually tough on crime and care about, you know, people and how, uh, these levels of like extreme heinous crime and stuff like that affect the actual community. Yeah, I think or, or this, are you grandstanding? I think at this point she's done. She's done a lot of harm to her like name. 
and and you know her 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 reputation at least from a layman's standpoint. Yeah, I don't know what the what the yeah, with Fulton for, County. I don't yeah. know what those, those people are thinking. Yeah, I don't know what her constituency thinks versus, but I know we know what the general public thinks. I think the general public has just gotten to the point where like the name Fawny Willis is like uh, more this. Yeah. It's kind of a dredge. Yeah. Feels like Ja Rule in 05. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like it, it feels like that at this point. And it just like, uh, like there and, and here's the thing. It's like you can date whoever you want. She's a single woman at the end of the day. You can date whoever you want. But when it comes to if if I'm a, a car prep working at Enterprise and I start fucking a management trainee, I have to disclose that to my boss, to HR. To the regional rental manager, I have to. I keep it. I have to run this up the whole goddamn and I, chain. And, and you know how we we talk about work wife, work husband. You know, shout out to work bay. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that's a real thing. And I think that if a lot more people had the curtains pulled back to show what actually be going on in them work environments, yeah, it would be astounding. It would be shocking. But. People don't have to live in front of the light. The issue is, once you put Young Thug, who's literally one of the biggest... Like, you've argued that Young Thug belongs on the Mount Rushmore of Atlanta, and there yeah. are a lot of people who feel that way. So you go after a T.I., a Young Thug, a Jeezy, a Ludacris, a Gucci Mane from Atlanta area, yeah. instantly there's an eye on you because Atlanta is black Hollywood. Yeah, it's like, you better get this right. You better not be on no bullshit. Better not be on no bullshit. You better be all the way buttoned up with, like, she, actual she, charges. She, she could have done a Rico on, like... Macklemore, no one would have, hey, man, yeah, no. you know, got to do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? I ain't like thrift shop, no hey, way. You got, hey, I mean, hey. <laughs> be Kendrick <laughs> for the granted. Hey, hey, listen. That's at least three to five. But if you put a Rico on Jeezy or T.I. or yeah. Thug, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, now the burden of proof becomes on you, which it should be anyway, but sometimes it's flipped. But it, you know, the, the, the burden of proof, opinion, yeah, the, yeah. Cor- the burden of proof gets flipped on you as like, as the prosecutor, you better substantiate every charge in this file. Mm-hmm. It better not be nothing frivolous or we think all this shit frivolous. Right. It could be 27 charges. If 25 is right and two is wrong, all this shit wrong. Because we already have established that we love oh. and admire this person. You know, I, I think just the, the look at OJ. We didn't love and, and fucking OJ, but oh, he was black. You know what I'm saying? At the right time. Yeah. And just sometimes that's enough. He was that's black the at bar. the right time. And niggas, he cut two Black niggas tired off. of it. He cut two people's heads off and they partied in the street when they yeah. found OJ not guilty. So, you know, for what it's worth, you went after Thug in Atlanta. And the whole hip hop community is just like, what the fuck? Wait, yeah, what? at the height of him and regardless, Gunner's success. regardless of if, if 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 nonsense was going on, actually popping off, whatever, you did that. So once that happens, it's kind of like, all right. And then the case, it's not like you went after him and the case is solid the way it was solid against like Big Lurch or some shit. Like, <laughs> right. like you went after this man and the 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 court proceedings have been an absolute shit show. Y'all put your fucking witness on stage and he agreed to the dumbass acronym that thug lawyer came up with. This is crazy. Yes. So when that type of stupid shit happens and then you got 42 Cody's and 29 of them is out, seven of them is in, but 14 of them is coming back. Yeah. And it now just, we got four niggas left. We started with 27. We down to it, four it, niggas. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense. So you have that happen. Everybody's kind of just like, What's happening right now? And that's the nature of a Rico. And this was her, the first one that she charged. But it's like, yo, the nature of a Rico is you have to display all your overt actions when you indict somebody, you know, under the Rico statute. We went through this shit line for line on the first Rico Mania episode mm-hmm. that we did. And the whole thing is, is that 
overt actions have a timeline attached to them. So when you see 2014, 2015, 2016, 20, you're like, wait, what? Like, where's the statute of limitation of this? And that's the unconstitutional part of it because normally there's no fucking double jeopardy or, you know, no, uh, no shortened statute of limitations on shit. It's like you get anywhere between two to seven years to charge some shit or it goes away unless it's a murder. Right. Murder, there is no, murder and rape, there's no statute of limitations. Anything else... So it's like, yo, we've adjudicated so much of this. Now you want to come back and say, no, 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 no. I need to recharge them with conspiracy and with uh, gang terrorism and all of that shit under the cloak of the fact that all of these, all of these overt actions took place in order to further a criminal conspiracy. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, I think there are a lot of like societal issues that play in this case well in all of this like not just that case but yeah. just overall at the end of the day she is a black woman black women are the most you know mistreated not respected yeah. understood so there's a bit of that where it's like we want to see you be wrong we want to see you with egg on your face yeah. not necessarily us personally right, but exactly society does and then once you go after donald trump who literally like not trying to be funny them people ran up in that building about that yeah. boy I'm not, listen, as much as we love Tupac, Biggie, Nip, motherfucking uh, uh, Jason Weaver. PNB Rock. Who, I'm not even talking about people that got, just yeah. anybody. Like, we loved a lot of different people, bro. They ran up in that building about yeah. that boy losing, he ain't lose a leg or, or, or get, like, booked. Or like, that boy just lost the election, yeah. and they came to the building. In force. In force. With more gear than the people who protecting this shit. So once you go after him, there's a whole nother level of like, let's get this bitch out of here. Yeah. And and what I think she the the, the miscalculation in her formula was that I don't think she calculated that you could be famous or you could be infamous. And even though you're doing this for what seems to be an altruistic reason, you still became infamous as a result of it because you just ignited a community of how many people voted for Trump last time? 140 million or some yeah. shit like that? Like some crazy ass number? 140 million people that didn't even know you, now they hate your ass. Mm -hmm. And that's instantaneous, overnight. So now you got 140 million people that are looking for any reason to make you look incredulous, any reason to make it look like you're not on your job, you're not doing what the fuck you're supposed to do. And just creating this overarching theme of like, you got to not only substantiate the case, but substantiate you as a prosecutor. Yeah. And that's a hard job for any lawyer to have to do, just to substantiate their mere existence and their their righteousness and their ethics as an attorney. Because the like, to be fair, nobody's walking this earth's surface is perfect. The last thing you want to do is have a mirror shined on you when you didn't get a chance to clean up. Yeah. Think about when somebody come to your house unannounced. Somebody the other day is the funniest shit on earth because like when people come over, our crib be like clean and shit, you know. Yeah. And that'd be because she know people coming over, so she like, uh-uh, let me and I'd be like, I don't know, fuck. You know, but people <laughs> right. like and somebody the other day had a meme was like, um, 
women after they done been cleaning for 96 hours straight, when you walk into the crib, hey, excuse the mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ain't no mess nowhere. But that's the, so the last thing you want to do is see people show up on your front step unannounced. Yeah. And be able to come inside of your motherfucking house and you didn't have a chance to put them clothes in that basket or wipe that mirror down. Yeah. And that's the reality. And it's like, she kind of got to a place of like, she didn't get a chance to put the clothes up. Pick the take the trash out, get the cat poop out the cat box, yeah, get spray the, that lemon pledge. The, like none of that shit. Ain't get to bust down that pine salt. None of so that's the last thing anybody wants is like, cause you know, when you know it's coming, you get it. Oh man, listen. Yeah. I get the motherfucking get some NDAs going. I saw you know, all this shit. Right. But if you don't get a chance to do that and people get a chance to look in when when they not supposed to, it's like shit. Yeah. And, and the, now be not a country, but like you in a world where perception beats reality. Every time, every day of the week. That's what law is. Yeah. I don't need to be right. I need to be mother. I get them. I need to get them twelve to be to believe that you was on some bullshit. My favorite line from Denzel Washington in the history of his life: "You want to go to jail? Or you want to go home? Give me eighteen months, I give you a career. Yeah. SSI detective, <laughs> nigga. This shit is real. It ain't about what you know. It's about what the fuck you can prove. You court two coming in. We hitting like it is what it is. Yeah." Because eight veteran cops standing around say he shot your ass and you hit him. Yep, eight decorated officers. That's more than enough. So it's just, it ain't about what the fuck you know. It's about what you can prove. And because you exist in that world, the more and more you peel the layer back of an onion and there's a rotten part to it, it make the whole onion bad. And you just got to throw that shit out. That's what it is. In a world that exists now where you have 24-hour news cycles, social media, Mm -hmm. all this stuff, all of these different web forums and stuff like Reddit and all of that to keep the conversations going. The worst thing that can happen to you is to get exposed. Yeah. To basically have somebody pull that motherfucking blanket off of your ass and you don't got nothing on up underneath that junk. Freezing in this. It's freezing in here. Mm. If Fawny would have been better off, the minute that this man knew he was getting a divorce, she needed to get in front of this shit and say, I have a romantic. Put that shit on the record somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because them having to, to, to excavate this and hiring a, probably a private eye to look into your ass um, going through divorce records and all of this old shit, court filings and everything like that, in order to piece this together, to hit you with like this bombshell, to shake you off your path of what you're trying to do in terms of like actual legal work, <laughs> it's become a big ass distraction to the point where it's like, yo, we don't want you or him on the case. Right. The judge got until the 15th of February to decide how they want to carry about with this shit. And, you know, to review the documentation and everything like that and give a ruling on it, she might get fucking kicked the fuck off the case. He might get kicked off the case. They might have to go for a bar review. We don't know. It depends on how deep the rabbit hole goes and what type of improprieties they find and stuff like that. And I would hate to be under that level of scrutiny. Yeah, me too. But, you know, it is what it is, man. Thug thug and six. Yeah. Every, Every, every... with every development, it Th- just looks thug and, thug and six and Trump and five. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, at this point. Like they might, like I said, with Trump, they might just this this is just a blip on the radar. This, this it might just go away. Trump really was president, dog. Yeah. I was watching that shit the other day. I'm just like, Trump really became president. Like that's some crazy ass shit. Like, yeah, and I lied all the way up to that joke. You know what I'm saying? I lied to the, to the White House. Yeah. I lied my way to the Oval Office, Jack. Yeah. Trump straight got to the White House and wasn't even staying in that joint. No, I'm down. This is, these are meager accommodations. <laughs> I'll be at the, at the plaza. 
Uh, staying with Trump, man. He uh he he did take an L this week, man. Uh, yeah, eighty three. He G and Carol wins an eighty three million dollar sexual assault uh verdict against Donald Trump, and and me, I just saw the number. I never knew who this woman was. I knew that there was like a case pending against him, whatever, whatever. I didn't know that it was actively in court and moving this fast because him running for president again, it's kind of overshadowed mm-hmm. the whole thing or whatever like that. Uh, digging into this story a little bit more. I'm not trying to victim blame, but this woman is insane. I honestly like, have no no nothing. Bro, of this I'm, let me let me inform you. So um, she during this whole process, she went on um, she went on a series of different media outlets and stuff like that, and did some interviews or whatever. And she's one of those people that like her truth and her um, reactions and how she answers questions and stuff like that in front of a camera has done enough damage to her public reputation to where people are be, are kind of like, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, or maybe you're the craziest bitch ever, and mm-hmm. you met uh, you met Ronald Stump, and you never met Donald Trump, and you just woke up and, and accused this man. So during the interview with uh, you know her on, uh, on, on CNN with Anderson Cooper, she said, I'll show you my age if you show me your tax returns. And it's like this whole, like, bad comedy mm-hmm. routine or whatever that she's doing. And she said this to Anderson Cooper to Anderson Cooper. Okay. So, so she's making these, like these wafty, like weird, you know, references and stuff like that. And Anderson Cooper is just like, okay, what the fuck is happening yeah. here? Then in the book, she said that Donald Trump raped her in Bergdorf Goodman in the dressing room in the nineties. Later on CNN, she clarified she wasn't thrown down and ravaged. It was more so he made me uncomfortable and and sexually uncomfortable, and that's why I used the word rape. But he never inserted or penetrated me or whatever. So the allegation became that he uh, sexually assaulted her, grabbed her by the vagina or whatever in in the dressing room, and I guess attempted to kiss her or whatever the case may be. So she said, I wasn't thrown down and ravaged. It was more uncomfortable. It hurt. I think that... And and um and Anderson Cooper interjects and he says, well yeah, I mean you know when people you know hear rape, they there's an element of like you know violence and physicality and all of that. And she's like, this is her answer. She says, I think most people when they think of rape, they think rape is sexy. And Anderson Cooper is like, yeah, we're gonna go to commercial right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, uh, she's yeah. she's batshit crazy. And another journal, she did an interview with uh, Rachel Maddow, and she said she was, uh, you know, going to do something prolific for women's rights if she wins this verdict and all of this old stuff like that. And Rachel Maddow says, simple, simple, innocuous question. So what are you going to do with the money? You know what I'm saying? You talked about, you know, en- enhancing infrastructure for women's rights and blah, blah, blah. She said, you know what I'm going to do, Rachel? I'm going to take you shopping. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you shopping. I'm going to uh, take you f- uh, fishing in Paris. You want to buy, you want a penthouse, Rachel? I'll buy you a penthouse. All of these girls here with me, they're going shopping. It's going to be so great. And I'm just like, this bitch is insane. Mm. So what was the verdict for? Verdict was for, um, the word verdict was for, uh, sexual, so was for death for defamation. She originally filed a $10 million lawsuit against him for defamation for going on. It was like, uh, he went in front of reporters and basically said, I don't know who this woman is. I've never met her before. She has me mistaken. I have no record or recollection of her. If it was in the 90s in New York City, I was bigger than life. There's no way 
I'm like sexually assaulting some woman in like a department store, you know what I'm saying? Dressing room or whatever. This is crazy. And despite the fact that she never substantiated, um, with any proof or evidence how she met him. She never filed a criminal case. You know, again, there's no sexual, no, no statute of limitations for sexual assault or, uh, or sex crimes or rape. Right. She never filed any type of, uh, you know, any type of uh, criminal, criminal lawsuit or whatever the case may be criminal complaint. Rather um, there's no presence of, you know, any type of rape kit, anything that physically ties him to having met her ever. There's sure. no surveillance video from the, there's literally nothing. She basically said he defamed me by saying that I was crazy and a liar and blah, 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 blah. And to punish him, they gave her the ten million dollar judgment plus another seventy three million dollars in punitive damages, and that's how we get to this eighty three million dollar verdict. Like so, the, overall, the the shit is just crazy. Um, and I'm not saying that he did not do it, but what I am saying is that there was not enough evidence to substantiate this. And probably had she done a criminal complaint, this is which is, which is why she didn't. It wouldn't have made it past preliminary. Because there's literally no tangible evidence that ties him to even knowing her, let alone substantiating that like this incident happened. So because the mainstream and the access media hates him so much, they just see they just see the headline of Trump loses $83 million you know, judgment and in the defo- defamation case and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, him and his lawyers are already firing up the appeal, because, which is, you know, people are already saying this is probably going to get knocked down on the appeal because... It makes no sense. Yeah, you know a lot of times it happened. Them cases, somebody went a verdict for two hundred yeah. million, then on appeal they got sent to sixteen point two. You know, this is that that's like, you know. Somebody was explaining to me the other day, like once you get the verdict, now you gotta get it to to like basically be like held up. Mm-hmm. So it's like a whole nother level. Yeah, they have to uphold the verdict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you have to figure out like where the hell is this money coming from? Is this like some, you know, insurance policy? Are you suing uh Donald Trump the person? Are you suing Donald Trump? Industries also right. his entities or whatever the case may be like where does where is this money you know essentially like expected to come from, and um, this is one of them things where it's like yeah it's probably going to go to appeal it's going to go fast and what's going to happen I do not know um, and again I want to make the huge disclaimer I'm not saying he did not do this I'm saying that she didn't substantiate with any type of evidence physical or other it's just a recollection of this thing. That happened, even though she's clearly presented herself in the media as a person that is not well. Yeah, yeah we'll see what happens. What else, Pop? Oh, man. The, I think the biggest news of the uh, past 48 hours was Joe Rogan getting a big bag. Once again, man, three years, allegedly $250 million from Spotify, and they have decertified the deal and made it non-exclusive. So before, for the last three years, Joe Rogan has been on Spotify exclusively, uh, with the Joe Rogan experience, four days a week, video and audio. Spotify had all of the exclusive rights to that. There's plenty of, like, you know, Joe Rogan experience, YouTube channels and stuff that repurposed the content, mm. put clips and stuff out like that. But as far as long-form audio and video, it was exclusively housed on Spotify since, I believe, uh, September of 2020, right. I want to say, was when the deal, uh, you know, went through or whatever. And if you guys remember, upon the original announcement, his – his presence at Spotify made the stock price go up 33%. Right. So with that alone, they basically made that money back the first day, and that's how you saw over the span of that deal, it went from being reported as three years, $100 million, to three years, 150 to three years, 200 to 
we don't know how much this deal paid or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, but, you know, that deal has now essentially, you know, basically like run its course effective uh, this coming September. And now, um, you know, he's re-signed it with Spotify. But basically what this deal does is it gives them the exclusive right to sell advertisement against his, his podcast. And it gives them the ability to be able to take an ad revenue for any other shows that they have under their uh, sole control because they'll leverage the Joe Rogan experience against these other shows and say, hey, if you want to buy three ads on Joe Rogan for $4.5 million or whatever, you got to spend another five hundred k on advertising on these other shows in order to add value or whatever, in order to, uh, you know, make that deal go through because they're the ones that's, you know, going to collect the money. So something that academics said is that he, uh, Joe Rogan is doing about 11 million listeners per show on average. They're basically expecting that and projecting that with the non-exclusiveness now of it, with his podcast basically going from being on one channel to being everywhere, he may take those listeners up to probably 25 million or something like that per episode, which would then make his CPM rate that much higher. And then now they'll be able to charge two and a half times what they were already charging for the advertisement. So making the the deal non-exclusive essentially pays for itself. Right. Mm. Yeah. uh, We got to get some good money. Yes. So, but what it is is that um, you look at you know you look at call her daddy you look at uh, Joe Rogan experience. They did the ten biggest podcasts the other day. I sent it to you. Yes, the ten biggest podcasts as far as earnings for two thousand twenty three. And I'm like, ain't it like ain't it like eerily non dark on this joint? Like this shit is yeah. crazy, man. People make the mistake of thinking that the stuff that they indulge in and listen to is what's like the most popping shit yep. out there on a macro scale. And it's like, no, it's popping to a niche audience. Mm-hmm. It's popping to the people that subscribe to this, that watch this, whatever the case may be. Um, and there's a lot of ebbs and flows. And the one thing that I've noticed and the reason why Joe Rogan is number one is because he doesn't ebb and flow the same way everybody else does. Mm-hmm. He has a baseline number and they go up from there. They don't drop below that number. Isn't that so, crazy? So whether he's talking to, what's the black boy that he always talking to, the tech guy or whatever, um, um, that always come on and talk about, you know, the phones yeah, and the new um, technology, uh, uh, Marquise Brownlee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of the nigga. So, so, it's like, so whether he's talking to Marquise Brownlee or Dave Chappelle or whoever, there's a baseline of people that watch this regardless because we're here for Joe and whatever crazy convo he wants to have today. Right. And sometimes the convo was about tobacco farms. Sometimes it's about aliens. Sometimes it's about hitchhiking, um, Mount Everest. Like it, it just is what it is. And people are there for the experience and his POV, and they go on these journeys with him. Right. Um, whereas everybody else is really guest-driven. Yeah. Whereas, like, with him, he's blow, he's using his platform to blow people up. Right. I famously said it on this show before. There is no urban outlet that if I go on there tomorrow, I'm guaranteed any type of financial um, incentive or financial gain from going on there. Whether you go in the Breakfast Club, Drink Champs, uh, uh, Gillian Wallow, wherever you go, there's no guarantee that their audience will even watch it because they're like, who the fuck are these niggas? Yeah. Urban doesn't give you the benefit of the doubt no. like that that I'm going to watch regardless because I fuck with the host. The Breakfast Club does decent numbers on lesser known guests, great numbers on more known guests, and then when they get the rare A-lister or whatever or B-plus list person or, or whatever, they or the moment they do huge numbers. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I've seen like Breakfast Club interviews that do 
I've seen Breakfast Club interviews where it was just like some random person in the 49,000 views. Yeah, I've as, seen less than that. I've as, seen them in the single thousands. As opposed to, you know, a soldier boy on there that does, you know, five, six million. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah. the, so, it's, it's so, the, so, you know, even though the platform itself is big, essentially the, the artist is a lot of times bringing their viewership to the platform rather than the platform having a baseline of no matter what, 500,000 people watch this shit. It's not like that. Joe Rogan is the one platform that's like that. Call, well, and Call Her Daddy is a little similar, but it's all driven by, you know, sex stories and stuff like that or whatever the case may be. So that kind of has, like, its own, you know, its own place. And they had a huge controversy in their own right with the name rights and the breakup and leaving, um, you know, leaving Barstool and then the Portnoy f- fallout and all of that shit and then doing a three-year $60 million deal with Spotify, you know what I'm saying, on her own. So there's all of these different moments that, you know, that are happening, you know, in entertainment news, in pop culture, in media and stuff like that. And you see it's contraction for the majority and expansion for the minority. And the people that are at the top of the game are are pun- either punching their own ticket or breaking down big, giant, huge bags of money. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, at least from, from where we sit, you look at this shit and you just like, how did it get this far out for certain like realms of the genre? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, think about back in the day, like a two hundred and fifty million dollar deal was some shit that wasn't even fathomable for the biggest athlete on the planet. Yeah. Now we're like the biggest podcaster just took. We talked about it the other day on Patreon. Shaq uh, deal with the Lakers was seven years of buck twenty. That's seven years of service. Seriously. Joe getting double that for less, half that. for less than half, for 42% of the service. So, you know, how did we get to that point? And are we tripping going the route that we're going as podcasters? Uh, you say we, you mean me and you? Or, I mean just the, like or the, the urban we? The urban we. Like oh, the yeah, urban absolutely. Fear of like just. Niggas are monetizing moments. You know what I'm saying? What? Monetizing moments, moments okay. as opposed to creating an ethic and right. building a fan base. A lot of creators are from the outside looking in, they're going about it the wrong way. Yeah, I feel that too. Because you don't have you're not creating a baseline for where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So it's like when, you know, when Lil Dirk shows up on your show, it goes through the roof. But because of that now. You can't even use your platform to interview, you know, little man, man who's emerging out of your city and doing the whole. He's done. He's outgrown this lesser media circuit, but you can't even interview him because now it's a it's he's still so regional. It's a no go for your larger audience. Right. So they tune out. So it fucks up your ad rev and your CPM. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, but if you built your thing in a way where it's like you become a trusted voice like Joe, you can, or or like even Andrew Schultz now, or Pat Bet, Pat Betcher, uh, Patrick Bet David on Valuetainment. You can interview whoever, and then there's still value there for the audience because they trust you as the platform creator. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think when I look at urban podcasting, especially, I think everybody kind of has like it's almost like the fork in the road, but both the roads is fucked. Like, yeah, we need a new fork. 
You know what I mean? Like, when I sat and looked at that list the other day, I'm like, these are podcasts that you never hear anything about from, yeah. like, the urban standpoint. Like, I've never just heard anybody just, oh, no, I was watching this episode of this or this. And that. I know who they are because, yeah. you know, I, I like some of them. But to see these numbers and know where it's just like, God damn, man. Like, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith spoke about it. He basically said, like, hey, you know, this is a moment to rejoice, man. You know, as somebody that's in the media space, it's like, you know, I applaud, you know, Joe Rogan for, for cracking that bag and for breaking that barrier because it shows opportunity. I applaud Pat McAfee for doing the same thing. You got to invest in yourself and build up a media platform of being trusted. So it's like with Pat McAfee's show, they have a baseline of a number they do every single day. When they have Aaron Rodgers, it pops. You know, when they have whoever else on there, it pops a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? But they still have a baseline where it's like, yo, we don't go below 500,000 viewers, you know, per show. And unless you're creating that core following that's locked in with you, um, I think that you may be playing the media game the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? It's funny that you say about, like, the baseline. Did you see that they, that post that kept floating around about uh, – the game between LSU and South Carolina beat the the game with the Celtics that night and the yeah. ratings and everybody's like, yeah, women's basketball is taking over. And it's just like, no, 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 no. This is the most watched women's game of the <laughs> right. year. It's the number one ranked team versus the biggest female in NCAA sports. It's either her or Caitlin Clark. Yeah. So that's why this is such a highly viewed, because it's a highly anticipated game. Yeah. The Tuesday night game with the Celtics was just one of nine other games right. with the NBA from, you know, a week's full of action. I'm like, to be, to be frank, last week, Joel Embiid and fucking uh, Nikola Jokic played each other here in Philly. This shit had 2.6 million views. LeBron played Steph the other night, the Warriors versus the Lakers. The game yeah. had 3.5 million views. You know what I'm saying? It's like y'all are never going to crack 3.5 million views. Right. This is a regular season game. This ain't no finals game. This right. ain't like this. So it's like, yeah, your, your, your moment is going to go. But to compare your moment versus our every day is just – and that's kind of what this podcast thing has become, yeah. where we got moments going up against everyday hardcore 24-7 reality. Yeah. And it's like, give me a baseline of this as opposed to them two and few moments that do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's not even close. You can't monetize nothing but consistency. No. I've said it time and time and time and time again on this show because it's real. So if you're if you if you're not creating a baseline of a core audience that's locked in with you, and this goes for any size creator, so where it's like your audience could be five hundred. If you know for sure two hundred is showing up every week, you can build upon that. Mm -hmm. But if you have some shows where it's five hundred and some that is three, you don't know where you, you don't at. know where you at. So it's either you got to pattern your show to be the same show that you do when you do five hundred listeners every single week. Or you have to just change your overall philosophy of how you create content because you're not creating the snowball effect of the the, the established community and building upon that. Yeah, looking at that rating shit was wild. The the NFC Championship games last week of the uh, NFC and the AFC, both the championship games, they both did 50 million in viewership yeah. and shit. And one thing I noticed looking because it had like the the it basically shows the top sports ratings per day. Uh, undisputed, yo, there be days where that shit not even in the top 25. Yeah. I was like, damn, man. Like, damn. And it's like you in a time slot where, like, you're not even competing against nothing. 
<laughs> you still not you're not doing the number yeah. because people are not pleased with the product. Right. You took your base. You had a baseline with Shannon. We got Shannon. We don't go below this motherfucking number. Once you remove the heart and soul of the show, it's like, all right, what are we doing here? We, now you just trying some new cast. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, a a revolving cast of characters of ESPN rejects. Essentially, is how the audience yeah. is viewing it. It's like we didn't like these guys on ESPN. Yeah. I hated Keyshawn on ESPN. I'm yeah. definitely not about to watch yeah. you with Skip with yeah. another nigga. I hate. Yeah. One day is Keyshawn. Next day is Richard Sherman. Next day is. You know, junkyard dog. It just they yeah, find it. Lil people. Wayne. Yeah, I'm just like, just, what is the fuck is going on? Here? Yeah, bow wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Monday morning, like you know. So yeah, yeah Mr. 106 and Park. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, like, we just doing anything today. Yeah, man, straight up. You got anything else? Uh, one last thing I want to throw in on this show, man. Um, it's more of a concern than anything. Uh, they out here gentrifying the ball feed. They are calling the ball fade the Travis Kelsey cut. Did you see this shit? No, I didn't. Dog, there was a story that, uh, you know, basically hit the internet and spread like wildfire. I think it was uh, maybe one of these magazines, uh, maybe like People or Variety or something, what their online arm or whatever. And they are now calling the 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 ball fade with, with the dark hair on top, the Travis Kelsey. Mm. And barbers are reporting that white boys and Mexicans and whoever else got that little spiky hair are requesting the Travis Kelsey cut in droves. And I'm not standing for this shit. Hell no, fuck no. Yeah, you know, I don't get a cut. So. Boosie did not go on death row for all of them years for y'all to be calling the ball fade with a one blade against the grain, a goddamn Travis Kelsey cut. Well, Boosie's cut is very, very... Signature. Yeah, his Boosie's cut is like, you can only achieve that from like a few people on the planet. It's like four, you got to go to yeah. four different corners of the earth to get yeah. to get a perfect Boosie feed. Yeah. But it's like, let's talk about some other legendary black feeds because it did not happen out of Westlake, Ohio. Nas, Drake for a number of years. I'll even give it the drip drippity drop from fucking Empire. Yaz the greatest. Yaz had a had a had an epic fade with the parts and all, all that right, shit. I got an epic fade for you. Kenny Walker. Hell yeah. Kenny Kenny Scott Walker had a sick ass. Icy fade. fade. Icy fade. His fade was nuts. Shit, D Brown. Yeah. Sean Kemp. Um, who else had a crazy ass fade back in the day? Kid and play. Yeah, kid and play. Shit. It's, it's, yeah, I was right. It was people. Travis Kelsey's barber reveals how to get his buzzy haircut, plus what Taylor Swift really thinks of the look. And it's just like, yo, y'all get on my motherfucking nerves, man. Yeah, yo, listen. <laughs> like, I, listen. I, 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 we been rooting for y'all. We been on the team. Y'all get on my motherfucking nerves, man. Y'all playing to me goddamn games, man. Ain't no Kelsey fade, dog. We not, we not doing that. I, I, I'm going to go there and I, I'm going to say this and, I, they, you know, they're probably going to tell me I'm hating. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, wow. Best white man fade just came up on the joint. Gordon Hayward. Oh, hell yeah. Gordon Hayward had a <laughs> slick ass fade for a with little the, bit. With yeah, the, with the, with the, with the, 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 with the, the moose. fondue <laughs> at the top. Yeah. <laughs> with the strawberry blonde. Yeah, dog. <laughs> Yeah, they got the <laughs> GQ got the twenty best fades in history. Uh, number one is oh, it starts at the, at the other end. Okay, David Beckham, 
Adam Levine, Jimmy Butler. Okay. Cameron Dallas, I don't know who that is. Christian Ronaldo, Gordon Haywood. Ronaldo does have an icy feet. Brad Pitt, Justin Timberlake, Nick Young. This is a white man's. No, I'm saying this is a white man's list. A white man's list. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Sergio Ramos, Zayn Malik, and that was the end of it. So it was the best 12. Oh, best 12. of all time, yeah. Where the hell is Nas at? It's just a white man. Oh, just straight white man. No, I'm just saying whoever put this list together (laughs) is not in tune with Boosie and everything else. Yeah, look at this haircut. Like, come on, man! Niggas, be, niggas, and niggas everywhere I have been you, have been dog. getting this cut for forty years. Fuck Travis Kelsey, nigga. Bubba Sparks, dog. This Bu- the Bubba Sparks. That's the Bubba Sparks, nigga. Bubba Sparks deserves some of that motherfucking credit. Hell yeah, he looked like Bubba Sparks, literally. Mondo Yo, Bubba Sparks. I've been traveling for some time. <laughs> for some time. Yeah, so the barber said, just a simple number three on the top, bald on the sides. Barbers do this cut all day, every day for the past hundred years. Just shows how big of an icon Killer Trav is. With my fishing pole and my bottle of wine. Yeah, no, nah, that's the Bubba Sparks, man. Reagan adds that the Travis Kelsey cut has gotten a stamp of approval from Swift, who has accompanied Kelsey at his hair cutting sessions multiple times, one on one of which was captured on the camera by the Karma singer with her signature filter and later shared to Instagram. I'm 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 gonna go there and I'm gonna say this and you know we can clip this up, whatever. <laughs> In the last Eight weeks, right? Mm-hmm. The Kelsey clan, like Trav, Jason, the mom, and Taylor Swift included, have become the most annoying and overly, <laughs> the overly pressed on you aspect yeah. of modern professional sports. More than Michael Jordan in the 90s, more than Shaq and Kobe beef. That's a fact. More than King James when he first did Sports Illustrated. <laughs> I don't remember a time period where it was this heightened and pronounced that you had to see this much. Dog, I was just randomly flipping through channel- channels the other day. Mama Kelsey was hosting Prices Right. I said, <laughs> what, what, what is happening, y'all? Like what? What is going on? <laughs> There's a little bit of a MAGA element to all of this. <laughs> it, it, yo, it just seeing Jason Kelsey shirtless, damn near naked, running around every day. <laughs> Chiefs, it's just like what? What's happening? And literally, it's like Mahomes drop back in the coverage and throw the ball out of bounds when he come out the hash marks to not get a fucking loss of downs or a fucking you know uh, negative yards. The camera cuts the fucking. Uh, 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 what's her name? Oh, Taylor Swift. And it's just like what's Taylor think? What? Why? <laughs> it, it, it just there, there. It, it feels over the top now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It is like it feels like true story, dog. And you remember when Ann Iverson was like the 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 god, the queen mother of yeah. the first Union Center. Shit, I it, remember when she braided a nigga hair on the side. It, it didn't feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, when Tiger Woods' dad was, like, Tiger Woods' dad, like, at the event going crazy and shit, it still didn't. Even Serena and and Venus pop, it didn't feel like Because you know what it is? Those are moments. 
And this is a constant, every day, every week yeah. focus on yeah. bringing you into the Kelsey verse. I guess that's the, I guess that's the theme of the, the show. Moments verse every day. Yes. Like, that's real. Like, it just feels so just. Like, it was just news this week that he wasn't going to the Grammys with her. Duh, the nigga got to play in the Super Bowl. Duh. Ain't no Grammys, bro. Duh. You don't get two days off to go yeah, to the Grammys. Yeah, this ain't no Lionel Richie <laughs> shit <laughs> like, over here. No, like, we're no. not doing none of that. Yeah, man. It, it just. And I, I'm one of them people, and I'm normally very, very, like, liberal when it comes to sports and the storylines and the narratives. But y'all have created a narrative. Y'all have created a storyline that no one asked for. Yeah. No one wanted this. <laughs> you understand? They like, saw it made money. They said, we going full out. Like, like, no one cared about this. Like, no one wanted to see this. Like, to be fair, like, it's more of a storyline to see if, if Patrick Mahomes can get another one, if Andy Reid can get another right. one. You know, this Taylor Swift, Trace, Travis, it's, it's become like, yo, what we always say, take us out the group. <laughs> Like, I don't give a fuck. Like you, like you know, we was talking about the day. I, we, we, this is before you got here. Oh no, you was here. We talking about what we gonna do food wise for the Super Bowl yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything. And it's just like I'm telling y'all now, we are going to see that white family over and over. They're gonna see them coming in. You're gonna yeah. see them during the game. Don't let Travis Kelsey touch the ball, let alone score. If he touched the ball, like if he hand the ball to the ref, <laughs> let's see what Taylor thought about right. when he handed that to the ref. Like, I'm telling you, dog, they're going to, and that, and that that right there is making me do some shit that I never thought I would do in my life. I am rooting for the San Francisco 40 <laughs> fucking Niners. Do you understand? Yeah. Do you understand? <laughs> my dad, I'm going to get my going dad. Going against the family. Dog, I'm telling you, dog. I'm about to buy a motherfucking Ronnie Lott jersey. <laughs> Seriously, dog. One of them Roger Craig throwbacks because I've had a I like, and I never get like that. Yeah, I never get like that because you know you want to do it for your tribe. You want to absolutely. You want to be successful. I I I personally would like to see your pop get to have his Drake in a purple suit moment at the award show. It'd be hilarious to see because I know how your pop get. It'd be funny as fuck. Yeah. Your brothers, my family, like you want to do it for your tribe so that they can just live and express. What Pusha T say? My mama liked to gamble. She got to gamble yeah. every day. You want to do it for that. But here's the thing. If they start following Pusha T mama around the casino with a camera, <laughs> I'm like why are y'all showing us this shit? She just in here. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to see this. Mama Kelsey just be up there eating fucking chili. Eating corn dogs. <laughs> her fucking vendors. Why do we got to keep seeing these Barbecue people? brisket pulled pork corn dog. You know they ain't eating nothing fly. <laughs> chili dogs and shit. Just regular everyday All shit. All trailer park food. Oh, and now that the Travis, uh, the, I mean, uh, what's her name? I can't think of her name. T T Taylor Swift. Now that the Taylor Swift shit has swooped in, it's become like, oh my Yeah, it's, it, it, it's overbearing is probably the word to describe it. They very, showed very the, 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 the team was taking the field while Taylor Swift was walking in the opposing team. This is when they played the, uh, it was either the Bengals or one of them. The opposing team was coming down the tunnel where she was walking into the zone. They had the camera on her. <laughs> fuck these niggas. Yeah, fuck these niggas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just the motherfucking franchise is worth <laughs> $3.9 billion. <laughs> fuck them. Taylor Swift walking in. Like, yo, <laughs> at the football game. <laughs> That's about to be played. I've had enough, dog. Please. Lot, please. 
let me out. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. Hashtag let, free us. Free us, <laughs> dog. I don't need to see these people. And the crazy part is, you're not seeing nobody else's family. No. None. You I'm don't sure, even know they got families. I'm sure there's a feel-good story in here somewhere. somewhere. Some guy that was on the street. Somewhere. Tying people up, and now he's playing in the Super Bowl. Somebody got sold for some dope. Like, <laughs> something. Right. Did you see uh, um, uh, CMC mom going off about the ticket prices? Let's, yeah. Before we get out of here. The ticket prices, yo, every couple of weeks, I think you said this in a group chat, every couple of weeks, you get a reminder nowadays that if you don't have $50 million, poor. you broke as fucking yeah, shit. You're a piece of garbage. A couple of weeks ago, we on the Patreon, I told Chad about the $700,000 section that they have on the field. Bro. Powered by Steve Wynn and the Wynn Corporation. Club box at the Super Bowl. 2.5. 2.5 2.5, 2. Jack. Jack. <laughs> 2.5. CMC mom was complaining about the shit because like they can't afford that shit. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this white man is the premier white man of the Super Bowl. Yes. It's him and Travis Kelsey. They are the premier white men of the Super Bowl. And the premier white man, like, that's how a white man runs a football. <laughs> right. And his family. White man, a touchdown <laughs> machine. <laughs> and his family. And, and you think about it, like, yo, my man was like, no, nah, like, I don't think that's crazy. Like, let's really do the math. He like, think about it, like, 20 seats. You got 20 for 2.5 million. You got 2.5 divided by 20. I'm like, hey, that's like 150,000. And he's just like. Shit, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Oh, oh, man. Shit. The master turned on me. <laughs> <laughs> the master felt and felt my ass. Like, nigga, what? I'm like, are you high? The I'm god like, of numerology has felt me again. Like, yeah, dog, you can't justify that shit. It's ridiculous. It's one day. 2.5 million divided by 20 is 125,000. I'm like, yeah, person. dog, you talking about over six figures you for can't a eat ticket. enough. You can't eat enough chicken tenders. Ain't enough sliders <laughs> in this joint to justify and, this and, shit. And, <laughs> and guess what? Ain't no hookah. Ain't no hookah in sight. <laughs> dog. 125,000 a piece. And then you got to find 19 other niggas. <laughs> willing to, like, never no, mind, right, I got my bean 25. I talk to the people. You know what I'm saying? It's 2.5. We got to give them a small deposit to secure it. Oh, 600,000. <laughs> secure the spot. I done seen niggas fucking uh, crowd, crowd share for sections at the club. Duh. Can you imagine crowd Duh. sharing for motherfucking crowdfunding for a goddamn uh, section at the Super Bowl? They said that the 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 get-in price, which is the cheapest ticket that you can use to get in the Super Bowl. They said that the shit, well, actually, it's a little lower than that. But they said that the get-in price over the last seven years has gone up 568%. In 2015, when the Eagles won the was that 15 or 16 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Uh, it was 17. So whatever it was, Super Bowl 52. Yeah. The Eagles versus the Patriots. The cheapest get-in price was 1600, and now the cheapest get-in price this year is 8200. And I'm just like, yo, like 10 racks just to j up there. Yeah. All the way up there. That's crazy. All way up there. And that goes to a larger... You, no, no. When you get up there, you keep going up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. All the way up Take there. the L one elevator. That's going to peak out on, on the, who you on get the 13th on floor. Get on another yeah, no. Do you want to walk down the hall and then get on the other elevator? And that elevator closed like this because yeah, it's and, a freight and, and that elevator going to take you to the motherfucking little metal ladder. You got to <laughs> climb up. That elevator you got to pull with the straps. <laughs> <laughs> the loft elevator. Y'all got to... 
You shit me 8200. 8200 just to get in the there, building, there there's dog. there's we talked about this. This has been a oh. theme for the last year and a half. There's too much of a premium on live entertainment. No. Far too much. And it's like, yo, when you can when you can make a direct correlation between society and then these fucking events and shit. You got the Super Bowl went up 568% since Super Bowl 52. You can't show me an industry where the salary went up 568%. It doesn't exist. Well, shit. There, there isn't one industry you can show me that you. we've had industries disappear. My homie said it the other day. There is no crypto. There is no NFT. My homie the other day was like, do you remember when you used to get like your cost of living raise at work and you felt it? Yeah. I'm like, bro, do you remember? I remember like 2011, 2012. You got your cost, of, and your cost of living don't be much. It'd be like 2%. 3%. Yeah, 2 to 3%. You get it, though, and you like, oh, shit, my check got extra $70. And it do, it's not much, but you see it, and you yeah. felt it. You get your cost of living now, and your check every week go from 1042 to 1019. You're like, how the fuck? Damn. No, because they just took more tax. No, because we put more taxes on that. Like, that shit is crazy, dog. Like, yeah, that shit is yeah, wild. Yeah, man, that shit is wild. It's bad out here. But all in all... It's got me rooting for the 49ers because I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> um, I got nothing else to say about the about the, the goings on. Free us from the minstrel show that is the Kelsey uh what's her name? Uh Teller Swift. I can't think they of They getting as bad as Krishan and Blueface. At least that's how they really act. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> y'all front. Yeah, y'all full of shit. You know what I'm saying? This ain't this ain't normal, man. It's not. When I saw that thing the other day for uh, CMC family, his mom going off about this, I'm just like, yeah, $2.5 million to go to a game is nuts. It's insane. Like, that's $2.5 million can buy you, like, beachside residences. Dude, like, I'm not... In mad places. In mad, mad locations. destination. (laughs) Mad locations. No business manager would be like, yeah, fuck it, dude. Yeah, that's what we on. I like that idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> I like We're that We're going to be able idea. to get recoup 38% of this on your taxes. Like, like no. when you put it in a perspective of just, like, things on earth, like, what, what can be done with $2.5 million? Yeah. Not $2.5. I'm talking about $2.5 million. Yeah. You can legitimately, like, $2.5 million you can go to a small high school, because like, I graduated from a small high school with a small graduating class. You can go to a small high school and say, I'm going to pay college tuition for all the college attendees for this fucking graduating class. Right. If you got a small, like small enough, 20, yeah. 40, 50 people, you could think about it. What's college tuition nowadays? I think on average, like somewhere between 50 to 70,000. For the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you go to in state school, stuff like you that. You can go like say straight 70, and say, yeah, I'm going to 2.5 million, I'm going to send 35 kids to school. For free, yeah. You can do some Robert Smith shit, not for that grand of a yeah, deal where he yeah. paid for the whole college, but like two point five million, you can pay for a bunch of children to go to school. Yeah. To say, yeah, no, nah, two point five for the Niners versus the Chiefs <laughs> one day is nigga. nuts. I know one thing. I paid a two point five. I'm there all day. Oh, I'm nigga pre gaming. Post gaming, I'm putting the lines down on the on the Last night when they cut the lights on in the W seven floor, it got to the point where like, cause mind you, Lee was like, "Yo, the fire marshal occupancy say 108. It's 400 people." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, it's no way we at 108." But then finally the lights came on, and motherfuckers still weren't moving. The white guy came out, you could see him trying to figure. He was standing like this. He like strategizes. He came over and said, 
We thank you for coming out tonight, folks. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you trying to figure out. Let me out. get my rap together. Let me get my spiel for these niggas. Like, yeah, uh, man. 2.5 million, you got I'm here till y'all kick me out, Jack. All day and night. And I'm taking these bottles home everything. All day and night. All day and night. We got nothing else, man. Hope y'all enjoyed the show. Love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're going to try to get another uh, big show out this week, man. We still got a lot more entertainment news topics and stuff to talk about. Um, If you're not on the Patreon, get on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash official TRPE. If if you're on YouTube watching this, we appreciate you. If you haven't liked the video, like the video now. Share this content. And uh, subscribe to the channel. T. We out. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.